0: Once again, I ask that uh, we turn our attention to Psalm 23. We've been crawling through it, some may say, uh, verse by verse to see how we do. Um, we're going to get through verse 4 tonight, or today, and uh, it's rather a fitting time because in verse 5 he switches his metaphor from sheep and shepherd into host and uh, those who are traveling. So let's, uh, let's see how verse 4 handles it. Um, With that in mind, let me read verse four one more time just to get us comfortable. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please open these words to us this morning. Open our ears, open our hearts and help us understand what you wish to bring us. pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Safety and comfort. Safety and comfort is what we have here, what we find here. This morning we'll see how the world pursues safety and comfort, sometimes even using this verse, and we'll contrast it with the safety and comfort that we can find here in Psalm 23 in the fullness of this verse. Now, I've said before, as we've been going through Psalm 23, it's quite possibly the most famous psalm in the Bible. And verse 4 is quite possibly the most famous verse of the most famous psalm. But it's only half known. The most well-known part of verse 4 is actually those first two lines that we have here before us. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Stop. Stop right there. That's what they want you to stop at. That's it. Don't go any further. That's all people know. You don't need to know anymore. You don't want to know anymore. Why? Well, because according to the world, these first two lines of verse 4 give us all the confidence we need in life. It gives us all the safety and comfort we would need in this life. If you look at it, you want to seem calm, you want to seem cool, maybe collected, while walking straight into a potentially difficult or dangerous situation, quote those first two lines. I will fear no evil. What a great confidence booster that is. That's why people know this psalm. They've read it in books, they've seen it in movies, they find it all around culture as a whole. It builds confidence in tough times. And so people tattoo these two lines upon themselves. They talk about some occurrence that may or may not have happened where their life was in danger and they kept cool. You hear it story after story. You start recognizing it after a while. If you're hanging around with the same people, something outrageous starts off. Something like, well, I was riding my motorcycle down the highway and I almost fell off because someone changed lanes without really looking. But then it suddenly starts getting a little bit more outrageous. Well, actually, I didn't almost fall off. It turns out I was jumping over that little ravine in the middle of it because I had to veer over there, but I stayed cool. I feared no evil. Or it goes into something even worse, something like I was watching a fight happening outside of a bar in a street. I was walking down and I was okay. But then it moves past that and goes even further into something more outrageous. Well, it turns out that I was fighting off four of those drunk idiots that were outside that bar, not just watching it. I was the one there, and I was staying cool. That's how our culture has accepted this verse. They've taken verse four, they've split it in half, and they've turned it into a hip saying to build confidence in the midst of a dangerous world. How do you stay cool under such pressure? How do you decide to now not jump the ravine, but jump the canyon? Or how do you fight off now five drunk idiots, not four? Well, people convince themselves. They fear no evil. That's how the world looks at it. That's how the world deals with fear. We create our own safety. They've turned this verse and they've made it into a self-help verse you see how the world approaches the difficult and dangerous situations in life they pull themselves up they think of themselves as some untapped potential to grow into a magnificent person they just need to dig down deep they need to be pushed to such a limit some dangerous situation pushes them so far that their true self finally comes out And so they grab hold of these little sayings. They post these clever statements on social media with words of wisdom. They write journal entries to motivate themselves. All to battle the evils coming against their true selves. The world tells us to find a way to be more brave. Stand up to the fear. Receive or create some enlightenment that says... What you are afraid of is not as scary as you think it is. And people eat it up. They think self-actualization and self-promotion is the only way to deal with this difficult world. But the sad thing is it doesn't work. <laughs> You may find relief briefly from the fear, maybe relief from one current situation arises and you find it and you go, yes, finally. But then a new fear arises the next day. You go, I got to fight this off again or that same old fear comes up in a new, different way that you'd never expected. and You go, oh my goodness, this didn't work at all. Much like the dawn chasing away the night, sundown is still coming at the end of the day. That's how I was as a child. The morning was great. Sunrise meant darkness was gone. But right after dinner, the fear began to set in again and again and again. I was so afraid of bedtime as a child. I had terrible night terrors. And my brother, who shared the same room with me, probably hated the night more than I did. But it was not a great time for me. But that's how this world works. The world is dark and full of terror. We are scared children in the dark needing comfort. That's how history portrays us. It's how the modern world portrays us. Most importantly, it's how the Bible portrays us. We are searching endlessly for safety and comfort from our fears. We can't tell people it's not as scary as you think because it is as scary as you think. As I have alluded to, children look to their parents or guardians for safety in the midst of danger or fear. But when we are an adult, you lack that safety net, that parental comfort. Or, if you deal with a parent or parents who failed to be that safe space for you, you had to look elsewhere. That's the second point of how we come to it. We have found safety by acting as though we are self-actualized, the ones who bring safety. But when we look for comfort, we look elsewhere. We look for our family. We look for our friends, something that would help. And so we jump around to safe spaces. We find some kind of comfort because it never lasts as long as we hope. That's how we deal with our fear. We try and find a comfortable space, a safe place, anything around us look for people, we look for food, we look for locations, drinks, we look for drugs. Something to battle this fear that's rising up within me. The problem is, again, all those are fleeting. Even parents let us down. Talk to any kid who found that their parents turned to drugs or alcohol to battle their own fear. They were not that safe space. So we fight. And we work, we try and find our comfort. And if you think, this sounds a little questionable, it seems a little bleak. Just look around. Look at how popular this verse is to Christians and non-Christians alike. Everyone knows how it feels to be afraid. Everyone gets a picture of walking through the valley of the shadow of death. They have just decided to give different answers of how to deal with the problem of that fear. the world it really is it's not as scary as it is or if it is that scary let's find something that will protect me from it some kind of safe space some kind of way to null, dull my brain from it that's how the world deals with it but how does the bible actually deal with the difficulties of this world how does the world step forward in this verse Well, as I said at the beginning, the world tends to just cut it off after the first two lines. The Bible doesn't do that because it's the Bible. It has the full verse there in front of us. You just finish reading the verse. It doesn't say, well, I will defeat this evil. I am not afraid of this. It says, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The answer to the question of our fear isn't in ourself or in some safe space that we've created through friends, through alcohol, through anything. It's in our good shepherd. It's in the one that's been described for the past three verses. The one who will bring us true safety and true comfort. That's what we need. We need someone who will always be there for us. We need someone who will not falter, someone who can prove themselves over and over and over again to never let us down. That's the answer to this riddle in life. How do we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil while doing it? How do we ride our motorcycle dangerously along the lines? How do we stand off as a bar fight erupts around us? psalm tells us to find safety and comfort in the good shepherd. David, the author of this psalm, knew this. Now, he had a number of problems going on in his own life. And they could all be derived from this particular section. There's no one that really knows the timing of when he wrote this in his life. On one occasion, David was on the run from Saul, the then king of Israel, Saul was searching for David to put him to death to prevent David from taking on the throne. And so David was hiding in caves. He was on the run around the wilderness, fearful of his life. It was a dark time for David. Time full of fear, time full of concern. He wasn't finding safe places. His life was actually in danger. He felt as though God had left him. That's just one time. How about the second time? Another is when he was far older. David had a son, Absalom. Absalom becomes a man, as boys do. They rise up and decide to overthrow their father to become the new king of Israel. That's also something that boys somehow, somehow do back in the day. David goes into hiding again to prevent an assassination. Once again, back into the caves, back into the wilderness, preventing himself. felt like he was walking through the valley of the shadow of death. There's also the most famous of David's sins with Bathsheba where he felt as though God had left him completely. No longer does it feel like a physical fear of death but rather a spiritual death as though God no longer shines upon him. Or it could be just as simple as David reflecting upon his time as a young shepherd boy keeping an eye on the flock of sheep for his family, day and night, watching over them as they wandered around the countryside. As a shepherd leading them through dark, dangerous valleys, calm, soft pastures, whatever the case is, David's life, he remembers this exact moment of fear. He remembers the fear that can grip a person. He's experienced it time and time again, and I'm sure all of you have times that you can even think of now. Fear desperately gripping you. My final year in seminary, my wife and I decided to take a break on a Saturday night before church the next morning. We had been dealing with papers, and uh, we exited our apartments, and that's the last thing I remember, but my wife tells me we got in the car, took a right to go to uh, Dairy Queen, and we were stopped at a red light. Light turned green, I hit the gas, and we were hit by a drunk driver going 50 miles per hour. Uh, He had not slowed down. He had not decided to stop. Uh, I came to in the car, and it was in a completely different direction. Uh, I could feel that my arm and my collarbone were both broken on my left side, Um, and I couldn't move. My wife... Uh, was blessed to just have a cut on her leg, but she got out of the car. Unfortunately, she didn't have shoes on because we were going to go through the drive through Always smart. But there was a real fear there. I didn't really know. I was coming in and out of consciousness. Um, I had to be cut out of the car and spent a week in the hospital. But there was a real fear. Not only after that, but then when I had to go into surgery to get things fixed, Metal bars put into my arm and on my collarbone to fix things, make sure everything was all right. There was concerns about how my life was going to go. These are just real examples of fear that can grip us. That's just, that's, that's years ago. We just spent a whole year dealing with fear every single day when we step outside. That's fear. Fear that when we gather together to worship, who's going to get sick? Fear that when we go to school or go to work, am I going to be safe? Or those others who fear, you know, it's been six months since I've gone to church and I just don't feel close with God. I don't pray as much. David tells us the only way out of fear that grips us Tells us it's not to get better, not for me to try and fix my own arm, not for you to fix your faith through some kind of hard work or to somehow battle back the disease that runs around us. He says, You want to find safety and comfort, you want to battle against that fear. Find the one who will never let you down. Find the one who controls all of this. The good shepherd, God himself, Jesus Christ. He is with us. As David says in our psalm, you are with me. That's a really big thing. Because we've gone David changes from third person singular, he, he, into the second person singular, you. You can almost imagine as he's writing this, he suddenly feels the personal aspect of what he's about to say. You are with me, God. God is with him in this dark place. God is with you in this dark place. And I've always thought that this verse would make a great Christmas sermon, David's simple words, you are with me, shows how comforting the presence of God is to those who are really in in great fear, great discomfort, concerns for their own lives. Because during Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Gospel Matthew quotes the prophet Isaiah telling us that Jesus will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us when Jesus Christ came in the flesh, born on that fateful night with Mary in a manger, the ultimate understanding of this verse was realized. It's not just some idea that God is with us, he's standing next to us, he's being comforting. There is a sense of that that is true, but even more so than that, God came to earth to be with us, to comfort us, to care for us, to take us out of this valley. He came in the flesh while we were all walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were wandering around in the darkness. We had no path beyond our own. And it was a path that leads to destruction. But the creator and sustainer of the universe came to be with us. He came to bring us comfort and safety. He came to bring us salvation from this dark and deathly place. He gave us company in this fearful place so that we could be part of his flock. If we believe that Jesus Christ came to die for our sins to lead us through these dark and fearful places, we have found eternal company in this world. And isn't that something so wonderful to hear? What greatest, what greater comfort can you think of? And someone who is afraid, all they want is company. Children who wake up from a bad dream don't want to be alone in their room. They want their parents or they want a sibling. They want a dog, something that's there to tell them everything's okay. It's going to be all right. If you're walking through a dark alleyway at night, it's more scary when you're alone than with your friend. With your husband or wife, or with someone else who's there to walk through it with you, even when you're approaching death. Those in the hospital, those who are older, who are coming down towards the twilight periods of life, they love company. Being alone is a fearful place in life, but to gain company, to gain relationships, friendships, You can get through all kinds of fear and difficulty when you are with someone. But when that company is the creator and sustainer of the world, when that company is one who will never leave you, oh, what depths of comfort that is. So David reminds himself and us as he is scrolling out this psalm, God is with us, like a loving parent bringing us comfort and a guard dog to give us safety. The land around Israel is full of hills, and not soft rolling hills, but sharp jagged hills. There are dark valleys, soft green pastures. As sheep wander, the shepherd guides them along these paths that traverse both dark valleys and soft green pastures. Our good shepherd leads us like sheep through these different terrains. There will be soft green pastures in this life, comfortable, wonderful green pastures, full of safety, but there will also be dark, sharp valleys. Times when our life and our faith feel in danger. But safety and comfort, safety and comfort, Are coming from our God. So, descriptions of how God is. Now, he goes on further. He gives us tangible items of how God gives us safety and comfort. Now, remember, with the world, the world was pull yourself up. They didn't want to hear the tangible items, they didn't want to hear something outside of themselves. They wanted to hear about, I fear no evil. They wanted to hear about how I have created these safe spaces, how I have done these things to find safety, to find comfort, to find some place that I can just be okay. David gives us these tangible items. He uses the rod and the staff. Again, diving further into the shepherd metaphor, the good shepherd is leading you along with his rod and his staff. So let's look at comfort. The shepherd's staff or the crook or the rod would not have needed much description in the agrarian society of ancient Israel, but here in eastern Iowa it's a bit foreign. So the staff of a shepherd is often used to describe the action not of just helping him walk, but rather to point or poke at the sheep. He was counting them, making sure he had lost them. Staff was a helpful tool to this shepherd. He needed to make sure that everything was in order, was okay. Ancient texts talk about sheep going under the staff of the shepherd. To go under the staff is to say that you have been counted. It's a piece of comfort for the sheep to know that as that staff rode over them, as one got poked by one, it was, hey, you've been counted. Shepherd knows that you're right there. It's with you. It's keeping an eye on you. You are still among the flock. There are those who are around you who are there to comfort you as well. When you feel like you're alone, you feel like your faith feels weak or your life feels empty, when you feel like all you've been doing is watching church services online for six or seven months, the Bible is telling you, do not fret. You've been counted by God. You're a part of the flock of Jesus Christ. He has counted you as one of his own. You've gone under the staff of the good shepherd. He's keeping you on. Keeping an eye on you. Keeping you amidst his flock. What great comfort that is. Now, safety. Safety, on the other hand, the rod dealt with more correction than counting. So when he says staff, he's talking about those who are being poked and saying this is the number, this is how many, you're going under the staff, you're getting there. Now the rod, the rod really uh, talks about the crook of the staff. When we talk about a staff, often when you see shepherds, it's got a curved top end. That crook of the staff hooked around a sheep to grab it by the neck, to grab it by the leg when it's starting to go astray. And as I've, Said previously, sheep are notoriously foolish. They wander greatly. The shepherd will often have to grab them quickly to prevent them from straying away to find some kind of danger, to find some kind of place to fall down. The metaphor goes, we will walk through this dark valley just as a whole, we will. Life is going to be that we're going to walk through a dark valley. Sometimes it's because we're being guided through there by the shepherd to lead us to new green pasture. Other times it's because we are ones who have wandered into this dark valley ourselves, strayed from the flock and we are in danger. Through all that, no matter what, what it says here is the shepherd will grab us. He does so for our benefit. It may hurt, it may scare us, may be confusing at times. Why are we here? What's going on? Why is it suddenly being pulled certain directions? This feels so strange. But our Good Shepherd cares for us. Our Good Shepherd is one who is watching out for our safety. He knows that this small hurt will be better than the deep hurt that's going to happen further. If you continue down this path, Much more than that, as we had heard earlier, this good shepherd is also one who is the lamb who laid down his life for us. He took the deep hurt for us. We can trust him to bring us back to safety because he is the one who took the greatest danger upon himself. We can trust him to bring us back to comfort. So let me leave you with this. We are inundated with things in this world that can make us fearful. I've told you a story of my own life and the great fear that sometimes arises even in dangers of driving around. As we turn on the TV, we can see riots. see murders of innocent people by those in power. We hear lies from those we trust in the media or in the government just constantly. It's all around us. We look online, we see friends and family struggling with sickness, with loneliness, with mental health issues. I just saw a medical article that depression has risen three times in the past year. Three times the normal route. All this can press on us. Fear and anxiety arise. We can feel like we are in a valley, a dark and dangerous valley But I'm not going to tell you that you can rise above that. I'm not going to tell you to turn off the TV, stop going on social media as though, you know what, those people are just weird and strange. You go out into the real world, you'll find people who are better. There's normal sane people out there, you can find them. I'm not going to tell you that because it's not a better place, I'm sorry. It's a bit of a downer to say that, but this world is full of sin, it's a dark place. Some would even say that the time between the garden and the new earth are really just one deep, dark valley between Genesis and Revelation. We can find small pieces of comfort and safety around here. We can work towards systematic change in the government to help with the unheard. We can rally for the lives lost unnecessarily in hopes for some kind of difference to be made. Those are all good things, but a perfect community will never be found outside of Jesus Christ. cannot be found in this broken world. This is what I tell you. If you're in a valley, if we all are in a valley right now, you don't have to be alone in that valley. Jesus Christ is there with you. He's the light in the dark place. He's the calming voice during a great storm. Jesus Christ is where you will find comfort and safety from this fearful world. He is our good shepherd. True safety and comfort is only found in salvation through Jesus Christ. Please don't give up fighting for your cause thinking it's not worth fighting for justice, but always, always, always keep Christ in your view. sin and this fear sin and fear of this world will be pushed out of the way when you have the light of the world in front of you and the comfort of our good shepherd let's pray